so welcome to this week's episode of the Piping People podcast. And today I consider myself very lucky to be joined by uh, Ben Cockrell. Um, ben, thank you very much for being here with us today. Um, thank you. You are the, uh, the head of strategy and data for Aquino. Um, and um, I guess to kind of frame the, the, the chat we're going to have today um, and why we thought it was, it was a good idea to, to get together and, uh, you know, uh, collaborate on a, on a podcast. Uh, you know, when we first spoke, I think we agreed quite an interesting topic to discuss could be uh, that of data transformation and the role that it's playing in marketing these days and specifically how using data transformation you know to revolutionize customer experience um, and uh, yeah i think it is a very interesting area because you know, customer experience i suppose is quite a hot topic uh, you know it's uh, there's there's many buzzwords out there you know that we all, we're all kind of uh, used to hearing now like omni-channel communications and real-time interaction management and all these things um, but you know as we discussed it kind of really feels like we're we're, we're on the precipice now of, you know, being able to create kind of very highly personalized ways of, of companies to, uh, and brands to interact and communicate with their customers. And, uh, you know, whilst data transformation is obviously very much at the, the heart of, um, of customer experience, um, it's obviously just one area of, of lots of different areas that all need to work, you know, kind of symbiotically in, in unison. So, yeah, in this session, we thought it'd be great for you to share some of your personal experiences, you know, having driven um, data and, and customer experience transformation uh, projects for some multi-billion dollar businesses. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess on that note, it'd be really nice if you, if you could just start by giving us a bit of your background and, and your sort of career history uh, to date, if you'd be so kind. Yes, of course. Thanks, guys. So um, my background started in IT um, and... Uh, uh, at the very beginning, I was, you know, working for a marketing agency, helping to fix people's laptops and computers and keep the servers running. And what followed was really a very accidental journey through data-driven marketing. So from initially um, account management roles, um, working on BT, um, helping them with data-driven CRM um, and data analytics across their customer base. Uh, through to you know project management for companies like Aviva working with um, Ogilvy One, uh, through to leading a, a data planning department at an FMCG shopper marketing agency, uh, through to building and running the implementation of a, a CRM, a real-time CRM platform for Dyson, then onto media roles, onto um, data strategy roles, helping British Airways with their omnichannel transformation. Uh, and then to, to my role at Aquino, which has been, um, so Aquino is part of the Havas Group, and uh, my role at Aquino has really been to, to build from scratch um, a new data consultancy offering, really focused around data transformation um, and omnichannel customer experience transformation. And it's a fantastic time to be working in this space. There is um, so much that is now coming together from a people, from a data, from a technology point of view that it's um, a really exciting and interesting time. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, what, what a kind of pedigree and, and fantastic background you've got. So I think certainly somebody can share some real insight into this, into this particular area. So thanks again for you know, uh, being here with us today. Um, so I guess when you kind of think about customer experience, uh, you know, we sort of talk about all these, these buzzwords, just sort of talk us through, what, what do we actually mean by you know, omni-channel or 
real-time interaction management you know what, what do they what do they mean to you so you know i think if we start from our own experience as consumers um or as customers in, in the b2b world we all have quite disjointed um, experiences across different channels you know interaction channels such as what we receive in email what we see on a website the discussions that we might have to have with a contact center uh, and what gets advertised in a kind of digital paid media standpoint and that's been you know, especially the case I found as a consumer of, you know, telecoms and utilities products where things are very, very fragmented. Um, and the size of that problem really depends upon the type of business, right? Because if you're, you know, buying a telecoms product or, you know, broadband or something like that, and you have a bad experience, um, the, the, the importance of all all of the different interaction channels in that service relationship is, is, is really, really important, right? But if it's an FMCG brand and you're selling shampoo or toothpaste or something like that, then, then the kind of need for these um, uh, systems and processes to, to drive a consistent customer experience across all channels is, is not so big. Um, and of course, at the same time, you also have brands like Amazon that have an incredibly powerful platform, right? So you, you're using Amazon, everything kind of works off Amazon.com or Amazon.co.uk, and it all drives you to that platform. And although they do need to do paid media advertising and, and they do need to do a little bit in other channels, it's really about the platform and that, that one place. But for many brands, um, they are acting with their consumers or, or customers across lots and lots of different channels. And so um, it bec it's becoming increasingly important to have um, a more consistent uh, message across those channels in order to drive a better customer experience, greater customer preference and loyalty um, and conversion and revenue. So, for example, we're doing a lot of work with a um, $5 billion revenue US healthcare insurance provider at the moment. They spend millions of dollars on marketing and convert, they've got an experience which goes from paid media to a website to um, conversion through the call center. And so being able to have that consistency end-to-end -end is really, really important to them. Um, another example of a, a brand that we're working with is, is Maersk, who are the world's um, largest ocean freight company, almost $40 billion revenue. And they have phenomenal complexity within their business. They've got customers that range from you know, owner operators that are shipping their own products around the world through to the world's largest corporations um, that have um, shipping departments and, and logistics departments that are spread across international boundaries. There is the flow of products and customs and all of these things is incredibly complex. Um, and at any given time, they might have 500 different things that they could talk to their customers about. And it's really, really important to use their data um, to talk to the right customers in the right way and, and, to, and to get that edge um, over their competitors. So really these kind of concepts of omnichannel marketing and real-time interaction management, they, they've evolved out of, I guess, primarily the CRM world. Mm. Um, you know, for many, many years, um, there has been the, the world of CRM emails, of DM um, and um, calendar plans that would allow marketeers to um, get the messages across in the way they wanted to throughout the year, given what was happening with their products and other things in the marketing. And um, that has evolved over time to the more kind of real-time world that we live in. And really the idea behind Omnichannel is that rather than just coordinating a message across a, a few different customer touch points, you start to um, 
get every single touch point consistent in a way that allows you to get that consistent message across to the consumer. So, you know, you've got um, your email, your website for retail businesses, your in-store experience, um, uh, uh, your contact center, your mobile app, all of these other different things should all be understanding you as an individual and speaking to you as an individual. And real-time interaction management takes that one step further. That's about really taking all of the data that you can capture from your customer relationship, from all of the different channels, um, and bring that together and allow you to make decisions in real time around the conversation you should have with the customer, you know, the topics, the messages, the offers, the creative, um, and, and that, that works across every single touch point. So, you know, if you have an experience on the website, you're looking at a given bit of content for a brand or look at something on email, and then you're speaking to the contact service center, um, all of that understanding about how you've interacted with that brand should all be reflected um, in the next interaction you have with them, regardless of, of the touch point that, that happens to Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I genuinely really, really fascinated about how as a consumer, I mean, I, as an example, I've recently just gone through changing my uh, broadband uh, service provider. And it, it's, and I won't name names, um, but, you know, in certain instances, I, I've been dealing with, you know, different parts of the business and, and different, uh, obviously, like I say, different touch points in terms of my customer experience on this journey. And it's amazing how at sort of various stages of this journey, it almost feels you know, like certain parts of the business have no other idea what the other parts of the business are doing. And it's, it's a very live and tangible thing, isn't it? In terms of how we identify with brands and how we create a reputation in our mind, you know, across all these sort of different touch points about, about a brand, you know, and it's kind of service and, and, and the quality of it. And I guess sort of, like I say, omni-channel marketing with, with certainly with these bigger, you know, like say that the likes of Maersk and, and sort of big organizations have incredible complexity it must be such an important Absolutely. thing for them. Uh, and, you know, I can mirror that experience. Again, uh, I can make some guesses, but I won't mention any names either. But within the telecom space, I think we've all had that experience of being bounced from contact center to contact center, just within one channel, right? Mm -hmm. Going from team to team to team, yeah. to try and resolve an issue. And there's been instances where I've been bounced around about three or four teams and then back to the first one again. And, and so, you know, I think... Um, Sometimes we forget the legacy and the complexity that has been built up on the brand side. You know, I used to work with a telecoms provider years ago that uh, this was probably in about 2005, but they still had systems from the 1970s, they had mainframes that were running part of their offering. And some of these, you know, big corporations, they do acquisitions, they um, launch new products, and they build up this incredible kind of complexity that there's a real mind, um, minefield for them, sorry, in, in terms of, um, building that great customer experience. Mm, absolutely, yeah. It must be a hugely complex challenge, and uh, you know, I, I guess sort of bring it bring it to the the, the front and centre of, of data and kind of how this uh, you know plays a part of it. You know, what 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 role do you see that data can play within this uh, you know challenge? So you know, clearly, data um, is absolutely front and centre to this challenge, and. Most organizations are absolutely drowning in data. They've got data that is being created um, at every system, every uh, customer interaction point, um, and they're really struggling to get the basics out of that. You know, a lot of organizations struggle with basic performance reporting, being able to accurately produce, uh, report on the 
performance of marketing campaigns, for example, being able to attribute the impact of different channels or activities on, on revenue. They struggle with customer insight, really understanding that complete picture of what's going on with the customer. And they struggle to figure out what is the next best product that they should be talking about with the customer or the next best um, topic of, of conversation. And that really um, comes about because of a fragmentation of data. You know, you've got data across different platforms. In the marketing world, you also have you know, um, providers, marketing advertising providers like Google or Facebook, they have their own walled garden. You can't just join up and track this one individual as they go across all the different touch points. But there's also a lot of um, fragmentation that comes from the legacy systems, what's been built up over the years, um, how the customer record works, all of the workarounds that have been built in. And then there's a lot of fragmentation about how the organization tackles these challenges, right? So, you know, you'll have your IT department uh, and they will obviously be responsible for kind of platforms procurement. Uh, you've got, you know, your business intelligence um, who are getting a lot of the data insights. You've got marketing and sales that are becoming increasingly powerful within organizations. You have product owners, you have those that deal with the service. You've got commercial stakeholders. They all speak slightly different languages, right? And, um, you know, a lot of the time where organizations fall down with their customer experience transformation or they fall down with their data transformation is around getting all of those different elements to work together in, in concert. So you've got to work across all of those different areas simultaneously. And really a lot of organizations are not necessarily geared up for that. And that's why there's a lot that happens in the consultancy and the agency space to, to try and help um, organizations address those challenges. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's very interesting, actually, how you mentioned the, the different departments within technology and, you know, certainly with any business challenge, I think, uh, rightly or wrongly, very often people think, you know, well, well actually, we just need the right uh, piece of software to solve this problem. Like I say, a lot of this is born out of kind of CRM, um, but a lot of people think, right, we just need to, to unify an experience through a particular platform or employing a particular technology um, that, yeah, what, what what role do you foresee that technology plays within all this and, you know, and how much of it is actually down to the technology alone? So, you know, alongside data, technology is one, really one of the other key components of, of solving this customer experience challenge. And there are some, you know, fantastic products out there. You know, there's a lot that Salesforce are doing, Pega, Adobe, Thunderhead. There are loads of different providers. Um, and in fact, as a slight aside, I don't think and you followed this, but the, the, the MarTech, it's called the MarTech 5000. It was created by a guy, I think called Scott Brinker, who is um, his chief marketing technologist blog. And over the last five or six years, he's tracked the number of MarTech providers out there. And I think at the beginning, there was like a couple of hundred, uh, and now there's about 8,000 of them. And, and so the, the technology itself is a minefield. It's always changing. There's lots of acquisitions going on. There's lots of the bigger providers that go and buy whole businesses. And integrate them into their platform but it becomes a bit of a kind of Frankenstein monster in the process and doesn't necessarily the, the reality of how smoothly the products work doesn't necessarily match the marketing or sales case product but, mm. but I think there's an attitude within a lot of organizations that you go and buy the right um, platform and that will solve your problem and what that doesn't really do is it doesn't um, it, it doesn't address how that platform is configured ultimately to deliver in, in the end goals. You might configure the platform in a way 
and start using it. But over time, as your requirements change, your platform's not fit for purpose, but you're so invested in it and you spend so much time working with it, really, really hard to change. That's, that's a big problem. I think there's also just this attitude that, that you know, th these problems can be solved by buying a piece of technology. But really, of course, you've got to buy the right piece of technology, but it's way more complicated than that. There's so many other components that you need to look at. Um, and you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of work from the, the plant work that we've done in Kino over the last few years, sort of developing my own framework for how you solve those problems, how you solve that kind of omnichannel um, and data transformation challenge. Amazing. And is that something you can elaborate on, or is it a highly, highly guarded secret? Well, no. So well, it's hard for me to be specific, I guess, about individual clients, but but there are probably five, six, seven, eight different kind of components um, to to solve this problem. So the first is having a really, really clear vision, um, understanding the sort of end experience that you're trying to get to from a customer experience perspective, but also from you know an internal stakeholder perspective, right? So. An example of, of what that might be like is if, if we go back to what I talked about earlier, which was um, the, um, the way that brands used to work in kind of the traditional calendar plan of saying, right, in January, we're going to do this activity, and in March, we've got this big campaign, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and we'll lead up to Christmas, and, and that's very much how things used to work historically and still work in, in many organizations from the marketing standpoint. And really, we're going to move to a world where um, the way that brands interact with consumers or customers becomes much more like a conversation, right? So in any given conversation between two people, you've got topics that you want to cover off, you've got objectives, things that you're trying to achieve, and, and you both kind of steer that conversation together. Um, and ultimately, that is where customer experience is going to go, that it becomes more like a natural conversation where each side is kind of responding to each other's needs. The difference and the added complexity between a, a conversation between two people and omnichannel marketing is that you have to do that simultaneously across lots of different channels, right? So it's like, a, okay, we're having a two-way conversation, but one minute it's via Teams, the other bits it's text, then it's over the phone, then it's a bit of advertising. And, and so that, um, that's a really big challenge. So, it's a, so the vision of what that looks like is really, really important. Related to that, is then the business case that goes with that. And within organizations, there's always, um, within the biggest organizations, there's always a tension between selling in the big vision um, and, and demonstrating incremental improvements um, that will drive real revenue, right? And, and the trouble is that if you just focus on the big vision, you can end up on this big wild goose chase that goes years and years and years and sinks tons and tons of money without delivering anything. Um, and maybe it gets canceled part of the way along. Of course, if you only focus on your short-term incremental returns, it's a bit like, um, I guess, building a, building a nuclear submarine, right? You can't build a nuclear submarine just by um, iterating on little pieces. You have to have an idea of what the end state looks like and how all of the different pieces fits together. So that vision piece is really important, as is the business case, and finding a way to um, Achieve, thing in, achieve things in iterative stages, but do so in a way which is fully aligned with that long-term vision. Um, then the next bit is around the tech stack and making the right decisions there. And, and that involves looking at all of the legacy systems that you have in place, um, and then the, the gaps in that technology and then how that aligns with the existing IT roadmap. There's a whole piece around data platforms 
Um, data in many ways is, is a lot of the fuel for this. So, so how you build the right data platforms, how you abstract the data, how you hold it in the right place, and how you have that data set up that you can iterate on it very quickly. You know, a lot of organizations um, you know, build their data structures around individual use cases, but don't necessarily have it in a way that allows them to um, uh, kind of have a base capability on there that they can iterate on very quickly. So that, that's one of the key things that we look at um, with our clients. There's then a people side around your organizational silos, your power structures, your corporate inertia, how your annual budgeting works, how your departmental priorities work. And, and there's, really, there's a really important side around, first of all, getting everyone on board with the vision and ensuring that it can meet their own objectives within their own department, but also kind of being the glue that can work with those different individuals. You know, the, the world has become so complicated that we have lots of subject matter experts. But the, the, the most challenging problems are solved by bringing together very different disciplines. And so there's a lot of work we do um, around that. And, and there's a lot of people in, in the team in the keynote who are kind of hybrids who can cross lots of different disciplines and understand things from other people's perspectives, different people's perspectives. And that's really important um, as well. And so it's really by taking all of those together, putting them into a clear framework, and then taking everyone along the journey with you that allows you to start to achieve this transformative change over time. Wow, fantastic, Amy. What a, what a thorough um, framework that is indeed. Yeah, I wasn't expecting something quite so uh, impressive, but yeah, good, good work. <laughs> um, I, just, I just want to go back to one of the points you made a little bit earlier on about you know, technology. And I guess within my world, uh, you know, being in the, uh, the, the data science and AI recruitment world, one of the things I am always fascinated about is how, and I think it re relates very closely to customer experience, about how AI is creeping into our daily lives more and more and how it's playing an you know, integral part, really, in how we interact with, with businesses and certainly around you know, customer experience and branding as well. Yeah, and again, just, just thinking back to this example of changing my broadband provider, you know, there were times when I just wanted to speak to a person. You know, I just wanted to, to have that sort of, relationship that kind of interaction with a with an individual that could genuinely help me where there were times when actually throughout the process i was directed to an automated um you know piece of technology that also kind of solved the problem and um mm. i guess it's quite an interesting um situation within within customer experience about what level do you allow ai to to play to expedite a process and to you know kind of automate a, a situation versus that care and attention that, that at the moment anyway feels like it can only come from an actual person you know and a kind of representative for that business so what role do you see AI playing within customer experience and and how do you feel that role is kind of changing at the moment well I think first of all to, to deal with your point around the need to speak to a person I think all of us feel like you know when we're um, especially when they're things that are you know, really important to our lives, right? We, we need to have that person on the end of the phone that, that we can speak to. And of course, there's an inherent tension there with, you know, businesses that want to try and lower the cost of servicing the customer um, as far as possible. But, you know, in many ways, perhaps not for everything, I'm not going to say in every kind of situation, but, but normally the, the, the fact that we need to be able to have that person on the end of the phone for a lot of different products is really about a failure to do something, right? If you take your mobile phone, and if you said, gosh, to use my mobile phone, 
I need to be able to have someone I can speak to. If this bit doesn't work, I can't get that bit to work. Um, and in reality, phones are really highly optimized devices. It's, it's not like you need to go and call someone to go and use a function on your phone because they've optimized, tested across large groups of people and developed for a long time. The, the problem is in a lot of product interactions, it becomes quite complicated, right? So, you know, if you're, um, I think of a, a great example off the top of my head, but you know, you, you might have a you know, complex remortgaging process or something like that, and you need to be able to speak to a financial advisor to, to guide you through that process, right? And if you're just doing it um, on a system, then you may not get the outcome that you want. So um, I guess if AI has started to evolve to start to chip away at that challenge and, and, and deal with some of the um, sort of easier interactions, and many times it falls short at the moment, but I think if you take a step back and you look at what's happening over a long period of time, and, and if you think about it from a marketing as a marketing perspective, maybe a customer experience perspective as well, is that you know you go back 40 years and marketeers were uh, individuals that would write an ad and that ad might be seen by 10, 20, 30, 40 million people, right? So that's like one person with no information or a small group of people with, with very little information that's kind of building that marketing message. And we're in the process of transitioning to a world where if you have a million customers, an AI can vote, will be able to operate like a million individual marketeers, each dealing with one customer on their own and using all of the data from that interaction with the customer and also wider industry, market, other data across the internet in order to, to shape that experience. And, and that's really the, the transition that we're seeing now. And it's, it's really, really important for companies to try and get ahead of that curve so that they've got the competitive advantage. I don't personally believe that we will reach the point where you can just shove a load of unstructured data and half working systems and maybe departments with different politics and different priorities and just say to an AI, can you just go and make that work for me and I'm going to go off to the pub. I, I, don't, I don't think we're I'm necessarily going to get to that feature. I think in order to get the most out of AI, you need to have the right structure, vision, frameworks to get things, get your data in a tidy and organized place, for example, so you can then get the most out of that. But it's going to be fascinating to see um, how this changes, how it changes what organizations do, what departments do, what consultancies do, what marketing agencies do. It's, um, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm absolutely fascinated by it. And, and I think you're right. It's that balance, isn't it? And it's finding that where, where does that balance sort of sit? Um, and AI really, I don't think is there to replace human interaction, but sort of augment it in many ways. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it is a very interesting uh, world we are, uh, we are approaching. Absolutely. Uh, but I think it's a very apt point that you made there about actually in reality, often the only the need to speak to somebody actually is amplified when the technology falls short. Yeah. Often, if the technol the technology uh, process is a, is a smooth and efficient one, I guess that's the brand is reflected positively as a result of that. And you know, like I say, at various points throughout the stage, you might have human interaction, but it isn't required at every stage if the technology is working effectively. And I guess AI and lots of areas, we've got quite a lot of evolving to do till we get to that stage. But um, I mean, that would be very interesting to see uh, to see when we do. So um... yeah, I think I think as well if you if you look at um, this wider kind of topic of customer experience, digital and data transformation, the, the prizes for organisations are absolutely enormous. Yeah. From a building better customer experiences, which means more customer loyalty, 
So you don't have to spend as much acquiring customers. You don't have to spend as much servicing customers. They can, you can get higher sales. You can get cost savings, both from your spending on marketing, from your overall spending on tech platforms, from the number of individuals and departments that are required to service the customer. You can get huge strategic data insights that allow you to make new strategic decisions as an organization and become much more effective in terms of your long-term profitability. And you can also rapidly increase the pace of learning, optimization, iteration within the business. So, you know, although these things are hard, if you get them right, the benefits are absolutely huge. And I think that um, it's worth keeping in mind, I guess. 100%. And that's where we need people like yourself, Ben. <laughs> um, but no, genuinely, like, I'm absolutely fantastic conversation. Thank you very much. And some really interesting insights shared there. Um, and I like to, to kind of wrap up every uh, podcast, Ben, by not necessarily a data specific question or even a marketing specific question, really. But if you could, do you have a favorite piece of advice or, or, or you know, just share one piece of information with your with your fellow humans um, is there anything that kind of springs to mind that's uh, a rule of thumb for you in your, uh, in your your daily modus operandi so you didn't give me any time to prep for this question so I'm, I'm thinking of this <laughs> no, definitely keep advice. It, I don't know, maybe it won't be my best answer but but I think um, I think in business and in life you need you need to focus on the short term the medium term and the long term at the same time right you, you can't just do one of those things you need to do all three at the same time and figure out how do they line up so you can try and deliver as, on as many of those things as possible. And it's always a balancing act. But ideally, those things um, shouldn't become mutually exclusive. And, and often, you know, with a lot of businesses that I work with, it feels like the short, the medium and the long term planning are all fighting for each other. They're all fighting for resources. right? Uh, and often it's short termism that wins. Um, yeah. unless a company is doing really really well and making tons of money and they feel like they've got the luxury to focus on them it normally switches back to the short term but that's ultimately self-defeating and it and it means especially in terms of these really big organizations that have huge complexity that it only takes um, a new company as an upstart to come in completely change the model and to upset the whole industry right you so Amazon have done that very successfully. You're starting to see the same in financial services where you have these organizations with huge legacies of systems. Yeah, they've got lots of money, but the systems and the processes and the people and the departments and all of that make it really, really hard to solve these challenges. And you've had you know, high profile banks that have major outages. That means that customers haven't been able to access their banking or make payments or receive money, all of these kind of things. So, so it's really, really important to, to um, yes, make money, prove the value, achieve things in the short term, but it needs to be along the path to a well laid out medium and long term, longer term plan so that everything can be achieved um, over that longer term. Yeah, I totally agree. And considering I didn't give you any time to prepare for that, that was a fantastic answer. <laughs> and so, Ben, again, nothing remains but to say thank you very much for your time and uh, i really found it very interesting some really useful perspectives shared so yeah look forward to a uh, very bright future ahead and look forward to, to keeping in touch and uh, and seeing where this this journey takes you thank you guy take care speak to you soon